Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about Just 
and welcome to Pro Life Friday Radio here on the Digital Conservative Radio Network. Um, one of the hosts today, Thomas, and our hidden host who's been hiding the last few weeks joins us today. <laughs> Hi. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad to be back, everybody. <laughs> well, we missed you, especially since you, you've been dealing with some things and then doing some good work and loving that beautiful, beautiful baby girl. Man, you yeah. and Devin created quite the beautiful bundle of baby. Anyway. <laughs> well, thank you, Thomas. Life has definitely been crazy, but it's been really good, and God's always good, as we always know. Yep, most definitely. Um, before, and I see little Miss Letitia just popped her pretty little head in. Uh-huh. Hey, crazy host. Hey, Letitia. Hey. <laughs> the three amigos. Well, the one amigo and and two senoritas, so that'll work. Anyway, so let's get this party started because we have quite, quite the awesome, awesome lineup today. But before we get to them, we're going to quote our scripture. Well, I'm going to quote the scripture. Letitia will open with prayer. And, Melissa, you have quite a few things to tell us about your picture, about the blessings, at the restaurant from the other night and what they're mm-hmm. doing big, big things there and um, big things there with pro-life legislation. So with no further ado, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I record this day against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Patricia, can you open up with prayer for us, please? Sure. Our dear Heavenly Father, um, again, you give us minutes in the day, hours in the week, to praise your name and to speak the truth. So give us your grace to be able to speak the truth in love about uh, just this life and death subject of abortion that we spend so much time emphasizing because it is legal here in the United States. Give us the words to speak. Give us the grace to understand different perspectives and uh, your words to be able to address those things. Um, It's with a heavy heart that um, I I continue to pray for the Tanya Reeves um, issue, the justice for Tanya issue. Lord, um, may you bring justice to Tanya in your time and in your way, Lord, and help us to be faithful, to tell others how women are being hurt by abortion, they're being hurt by Planned Parenthood, and be able to communicate as as co-hosts, as individuals, as believers in Jesus, how much we care about the lives of those who are pregnant and need help. So I pray your blessing on the minutes that we have in this show and our guests, and give them great power and great grace for the time that they have with us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Melissa, the floor is yours. Did we lose Melissa? She might have just gone to multitask oh, like I'm doing. <laughs> sorry, I was I muted myself and I was just talking away. <laughs> but um, again, glad glad to be here again, and um, hate that I missed last few weeks. Um, but there's there have been a lot of um, really amazing things going on here in North Carolina in regards to the, the pro life movement. Um, our uh, house was able to kind of sneak in an abortion bill or a, a pro-life bill um, before the session ended. And uh, early, well, the bill was kind of introduced in early July, and it's been a very intense month of debate about this bill. Um, the pro-aborts are just up in arms here, and um, it's, it's just been really um, kind of crazy. <laughs> um, but this bill um, is called the SB 353 bill, um, and it's it, the, the purpose of the bill is, to um, make um, abortion uh, clinics um, adhere to a certain standard, um, you know, professionalism and safety, um, and to basically cause more scrutiny in terms of how the clinics are run. For in oh, the- you know, in the name of the- <laughs> I, you know, exactly, you know, um, for the sake of the health of, of the of the patients who are coming there, and you know, of course, in, in the wake of the Gosnell situation, the Gosnell trial, it's, you know, it's very um, responsible for these politicians in the state to really put the smack down and, and to really uh, examine what's going on in their abortion industries um, in their in their states because literally the, these clinics have gone unsupervised for years, which is with Gosnell. We saw for 17 years all these violations and nothing being done. So um, here in North Carolina, they decided to be proactive and to make some uh, increased standards, um, especially in the wake of one of our clinics here in Charlotte closing recently, and for safety violations, we're reopening three days later. <laughs> um, so um, part of parts of the bill, um, a doctor would have to be present during the abortion procedure. Whoa, imagine that. Um, it would eliminate um, insurance coverage um, for abortions uh, for city and county employees. That's our tax dollars, so you know that's very reasonable, I would think. Um, it would require um, the clinics to meet the standards of surgical uh, center, uh, surgical med- medical facilities, which is not a stretch. It's, it's something that should already have been um, assumed and recognized. Um, and currently, it's. It, with this bill, there's we have 16 abortion clinics in North Carolina. With this bill and the safety standards therein, only one abortion clinic out of 16 would even be able to remain open. Wow. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so these are just bait, and the, the the standards that they have set are they are they're reasonable. They're it's nothing extraordinary. It's nothing you know. <laughs> too difficult for any uh, medical practice to meet. And it's very much in line with the the recommendations from the Gosnell trial, things that steps that could have been um installed to prevent what happened there. So it's it's nothing, you know, out of out of the ordinary here that we're talking about. But yeah, this would eliminate um fifteen out of sixteen abortion clinics here in North Carolina. Um so th- that's why the fight is so intense. Um the bill passed the House and the Senate 
and it is on Governor Pat McCrory's desk currently. Um, he is a pro-life Republican governor, the first um, Republican governor in 20 years here in North Carolina. Um, he has wow. been a friend to the pro-life community, um, and he um, has said that he he was under a lot of pressure. Of course, pro-aborts were just you know pounding him, but he said that he will sign the bill. So as I don't, I haven't had heard anything. Um, within the last hour or two that he signed it, um, but uh, he may have, but from, from my understanding he has said that he will sign the bill into law. Um, and so yeah. this is going to cause a lot of problems for the industry here in North Carolina. Right. Right. You mean the bill would make abortion clinics safe enough to get your nails done in them? <laughs> Basically, Leticia. <laughs> Basically. Wow, that just blows my mind. Right. And it's so, it's, you have the pro-aborts who are just an up in arms, and they were, you know, of course, we did not have the same like like we like there was in Texas because this bill was kind of sneaked in, so there wasn't this whole national attention um, like there was in Texas, and, and, you know, we didn't have all the people coming in from out of state to, to protest, but there, there was quite a bit of protest, and quite a bit of uproar um, over it, so we didn't have tampons thrown at us or anything as of yet. Um, <laughs> but um, but you could just think that people who people who claim to be standing up for the rights of women are, are protesting a bill that is designed specifically to protect women. They are just they're talking out of both sides of their mouth, and it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I was hoping that Melissa Harris Perry would show up and rip those tampons off her ears and throw them at you. I mean, I was all waiting. <laughs> well, tomorrow um, at our city, at our government center here in Charlotte, there will be a, a representative freedom rally um, that a group of local feminists are, are holding in the morning. And so I did um, decide to get a group of pro-lifers together to do sort of a counter-protest to that event tomorrow. So I'm not sure what to expect, um, but we do cover your prayers in that. We do hope to have some meaningful dialogue. Um, the, the thing about the, this is that it's really bringing this topic to the forefront of discussion. You know, no matter what side that you're on, you have to come to grips with where you stand on this issue. And so for that, I'm grateful. Um, and I'm grateful for these legislators who are drafting these bills, um, for their courage. And, you know, tomorrow, you know, you never know. You know, we might be able to, to convert someone, and we might be able to share the gospel. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, I do, you know, cover your prayers for sure, just, you know, that we will be able to to reach these people who are obviously very angry right now because of the passage of this bill. Sure. Um, I'm waiting for the projectile tampons. <laughs> you want to hear that next week. <laughs> <Throwing at me. laughs> Yeah, the the stand in Texas was absolutely despicable, and it really showed that these people are not just, they're not pro-choice, they're pro-abortion, they're pro-death, and they are committed to this cause, and they don't care about humanity. They The things that happen, you know, cigarette butts being thrown on people, people being spit upon, throwing bricks, throwing tampons at pro-lifers, that signifies that these people care about their fellow man, that they care about this cause, and they don't even understand what they're what they're fighting for, you know, it's, it's really, it's horrible. They're fighting um, against the right to life, which they themselves are using and exercising to voice their own, you know, perspectives and opinions. 
So it's just a, it's a very mis, misguided um, group of people that we're dealing with here. Right. What did what did everybody, Planned Parenthood, abortion supporters, do everywhere, all across the country, once Kermit Gosnell's trial came to light? Mm-hmm. What did they say? They said it was horrible what he had done. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Am I here? Yeah, yes. you're here now. I can hear you. I'm sorry. I thought I just. I think I dropped the phone. Um, they said it was horrible, and they would never want a, a Kermit Gosnell like that operating in their city. Um, and if if um, they if we were to regulate abortion clinics the way they wanted them to, then there would be fewer Kermit Gosnells. But here comes a bill that actually puts regulations on abortion clinics, and what do they do? (laughs) Yeah, fight it tooth and nail. Absolutely. Every single time. There hasn't been a single regulation at any time in the history of abortion in America, legal abortion in America, that hasn't been opposed by the pro-abortion forces. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it really it really shows that the just the um and and the and the hatred and the animosity, you don't see that on our side. Even though that there are babies being slaughtered every day and it breaks our hearts and, and we cry and we mourn, we don't we don't come at them with this the trollical hate that they come at up at us. It's just you're a bigot, you're a hate you know, you're a hate monger, you're this, you're that, you're you know, just Pure hatred, and it's you know, and to me, a lot of that reveals that this is, in a lot of ways, a spiritual battle, because of the the, the level of darkness and the level of blindness and animosity that we see coming out of this whole debate. Sure, I, I mean, if they're they're angry enough and they're hateful enough to bring bricks and jars and of urine and feces, human waste. <sighs> And they didn't actually, didn't actually mention, but the tampons and the pad, the, the maxi pads that people in Texas were toting were not clean out of the box ones, if you can get what I mean. Oh, my goodness. They were, they were prepared to throw at pro-life legislators. Oh, my um, word. <laughs> I, I mean, when they have to think to those levels, though, doesn't it, doesn't it really – Say that that they know that they're losing the battle and that they have to dig to these extreme measures to to make themselves heard because no one's listening to what they have to say anymore. Absolutely. Uh, when when people show up and they try to be, oh, I'm going to do the opposite of what you're doing and say, hail Satan, when you're singing Amazing Grace. Uh, <laughs> I get that, but at the same time. Why would you ever want to ask those words to escape your lips? <laughs> right. That's the level of mindless, flailing hatred and desperation mm-hmm. that I think they yeah. feel that they have lost the intellectual argument, they have lost the moral argument. The only right. thing they have is the legal argument, and they are losing that every day. Right. Right. 
you know, and they're pushing, sometimes they're pushing for bills, um, these pro-abortion um, lobby groups are pushing for bills that would shut down pregnancy resource centers, you know. So they they could care less about women's and women's well-being. They have an agenda, which is abortion, and they will push it at any cost. And women, unfortunately, um, are the casualties of war in this debate, but they're being used um, as a catalyst for the debate. And it's just, it's, it's really horrible and sad um, because they're really being exposed for who they are, you know, in these times. Did we lose Thomas here? He's awfully quiet. I am. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I'm listening <laughs> to you guys talk away. <laughs> you yeah, guys are talking, um, so I'm listening. That's what I do best. <laughs> yeah, I um, I I just it's it's becoming um, you know, a battle here. It's going to become a battle everywhere. Um, as, you know, as we saw in Texas, um, these people are not going to give up the pro abort. They're not going to give up. They're going to stoop to to new levels, and they're getting more and more um, just. Depraved in, in their message and how they how they you know portray their, themselves and um, and they're completely accepting this whole um, life of just moral decline. They're just completely embracing it as a part of their movement. Even um, I, I was looking at a tweet earlier that someone wrote um, who uh, woke up to find out that the bill here in North Carolina had, had passed, and she says. Um, just woke up from having premarital hot sex with my boyfriend and popping uh, and, and, and popping um, uh, contraceptives um, and come to find out that the North Carolina Centers hate me as a woman. You know, it's just, <laughs> just that, the level a, of... Yeah. Oh. Oh, and that's a... That's another aspect where um, I'm not trying to switch subjects, but I'm just trying to inject one other thought here that the least, you know, how the recent um, news story where the NBA, NBA player, what was his name, Reddick. J.J. Reddick, yeah, who, yeah, who is one of my favorite players, by the way. He was. I'm afraid to say his name a different way. <laughs> so, um, had purportedly had his girlfriend sign an abortion contract saying if she ever became pregnant with a child that she would agree to abort that child. And mm-hmm. I was just uh, reading Jonathan, our friend Jonathan Van Maren from the Canadian Center for Bioethics, uh, write, an, write a commentary on that, and he said he was expecting people to be very appalled at that. And honestly, I was. And I thought mm-hmm. a lot of people were, but... A lot of the leading gossip magazines, take it for what it's worth, are applauding an idea like that. Well, what kind of door does that open for the abuse of women in the future? Wow. That, well, that you guys, ladies, hey, Letitia and Melissa, one thing you have to consider, you have to consider the source. You have to look at the fact that these are 
gossip rags from liberal Hollywood who makes a living off the exploitation of women. They don't, Hollywood, the truth of the matter is this. Hollywood could care less about the women as long as they can exploit them for monetary gain. And you know what they say, if, oh, if an actress or, you know, one of those hotshot athletes, they get a woman pregnant, it crimps their style. He's worried about losing millions. And quite frankly, you know what? We need we need to start excoriating those individuals um, in the in the court of public opinion when it comes to state stuff like this. As it is, JJ Riddick, I won't I won't give my opinion on what I think he looks like, but I'll leave it at that. So um, let's. Uh, Let's um, kind of wind down this segment because at 5.30 we're going to kick into our um, interview, Get just kind of get an analysis of the press conference on Tanya Reeves. Um, but, Melissa, before we switch gears, yes. I want you to share the phenomenal blessing that you shared on Facebook with our listening listeners, because that's the reason why I sent you that message. I said, Melissa, and you didn't even answer me right <laughs> after you posted that. So share mm-hmm. share with what happened to you guys when y'all was at a, the restaurant. Oh, okay, I can do that. Um, we um, we have been without a car for about a month now because we our car basically just died on us. So we have been scrambling it's been quite interesting getting around to work in that um you know with the baby and that so um a friend had given us a gift card um for my birthday to go to dinner and I'm currently uh temporarily using a friend's car while they're out of the country and so we were able to go to dinner on um Wednesday night and a gentleman um just kind of of was looking at our table and looking at me and Devin and Eliana we were having dinner, and at some point he came over and he just sat down with us and just started a conversation, and we had a wonderful conversation with him about life and children and the Lord. And um, he, as he was leaving, he shared with us that um, he was a car dealer. And when he said his name, I was like, oh, I've, 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 I, that name sounds so familiar. And, it, you know, he said, well, you probably see me on commercials. Well, he owns about um, six dealerships here in Charlotte. Um, so he, um, uh, you know, shared with us that he wanted to help us get a vehicle and he wanted to do everything he could to get us to a vehicle and to give him a call. And I've been in conversation with him and he's working um, currently to get us into a vehicle. Um, so that was um, an unexpected blessing and praying that it all works out. And um, But it was definitely um, the Lord uh, put us in each other's path at, at that time for us to be there at the restaurant for him to to just out of the blue come in and, and talk with us and engage with us. He he just said that, you know, I just saw so much love at your table with your family, and I just thought it was just, you know, great testimony, and I just wanted to come and tell you guys how beautiful of a family you are, and it led to all that discussion <laughs> and to us potentially Aww. in the car. <laughs> you know, everybody's so, yeah. got to say it. 
Yeah. So y'all be praying for that. That's how you. That's how you. That's how we know that God is still moving in this nation. So yeah, we are going to take um, a one minute break. Letitia, are you at the soundboard, or do I have to do that? You need to do that. I'm not at the soundboard. Okay, well, we will take a one-minute break. Looks like we got our um, we got our guest lineup on, and um, we'll be right back after these messages. Hmm. What should we play today, Letitia? Should we should we just hit them hard with a little? Oh, let's see. Let's do this. Oh, I don't know, Thomas. You know, I like all that white man music. (laughs) 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 We are not getting any sound. Can you can you guys still hear me? Yes. You see the baby alive. Yes, sir. And him him kill that baby outside the womb. Yes, sir. And this would be done by jamming some sort of instrument into the either that or 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 or, or um, twitch actually twisting the head off the neck, kind of with his own bare hands. And you saw that happen. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So he sometimes would twist the he head. Would off. Go I'm sorry. Through, sometimes he would go through the stomach as well. Sometimes he would do what? He would like force it through the stomach. The the instrument. Mm-hmm. The for the is it beard? Like twist it. Yeah. And you Another, saw that. Mm-hmm. Anything that he can get to is the passive. Like she said, the umbilical, he's probably perforating the umbilical cord. Um, I normally saw either the snipping of the spine or the introduction of the instrument in the soft spot of the fetus normally, or twisting of the neck. Well, remember he would put like his finger? Through? Yeah, or his finger. He'd take his finger and then... Oh, and through the throat. throat. Yeah. back to Pro-Life Friday's radio with Melissa, Letitia, and myself, the Visible Conservative. And now, as many of you know, July 20th, for those of you who are really been keeping up with the goings-ons of the pro-life movement, July 20th was the one-year anniversary of one of the most heinous acts. Well, on top of heinous acts, let's just put it like that. 2012 was just a year that, in my opinion, God started to expose what was going on in in the pro-abortion community. There was a young lady, 24 years old, who went in for an abortion in Chicago, Illinois, and she didn't survive that abortion. We are going to get into more details about it with our three guests tonight, who myself and Letitia had the opportunity to participate in a press conference with them last week in Chicago, Illinois. Really, 
there's really no words that can be put. There's no words that I could even come up with to even justify. Well, there's no justification for what happened to her. So I will bring on three individuals who we are honored to be warriors with in this movement, the pro-life movement. Please join me in welcoming Reverend Brian and Denise Walker of Rick and Mercy Ministries and Walter Hoy, Issues for Life founder and president, and also one of these three individuals are also members of the National Black Pro-Life Coalition. So join us, Pro-Life Friday listeners, and welcoming them to Pro-Life Friday's radio. Walter, Reverend Brian, and Denise, thank you all for taking time out of y'all's busy schedule to join the show. Good to hear you, Thomas. Thanks for having us on. Glad to be here. Thank y'all for being here. This is Letitia. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, let's let's just, even whichever three of either one of you all want to start and just um, give us the background on Tanya Reed and what and the impact of the press conference because. I had not heard, nor Letitia, we had not heard in detail what happened to her until we were there at that press conference. And I'm getting choked up just even thinking about it because 1.5 liters of blood is a lot of blood. And that's the one thing that still sticks in my mind. So please Whoever wants to start first, just help our listeners to get the grasp, to grasp the full effect of what happened to Tanya Reed. You there? I'm here. Uh, Is Walter on the line? Yeah, he's there. Walter? Yep, he's six. I think he's six six one. He's, he's uh. Oh, you you you've got me, Thomas. This is Vincent. You you may have uh, mistaken me okay. for your friend. Okay. Let me let me bring in. There's Walter. Walter, is that you? Yeah, man. How you doing? Okay. I thought you thought we had you. Had one of my other guests. We gonna leave him on, but um. If you if you wanna just kinda open up and share about the press conference, then you you were one of the individuals along with um, uh, Pastor Caesar and many others instrumental in bringing that together. Could you kind of share with the listeners then 
we'll go from there. I'd be happy to do that, Thomas. Thank you. Uh, we hold You're a very conference on Thursday, yeah. July 18th, uh, for Tanya Reeves in her memory. Uh, Tanya Reeves was a 24-year-old uh, black woman who uh, went into a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic in, in Chicago uh, for a second trimester abortion. Planned Parenthood watched her abortion and let her bleed for over five and a half hours before they got her uh, to the hospital. Uh, once she was in the hospital, they performed an ultrasound, and they actually found, as they as the autopsy report calls it, retained products of conception. In other words, they found uh, her placenta tissue still within her. Uh, they then performed another abortion, another DNA, and in the process of doing that, they also discovered uh, her abdomen was swollen. She was complaining of pain, and that they had 1.5 liters of blood and clot within her. So they went in again, and they took out the blood. They drained the blood and clot from her, only to find out that this time they needed another ultrasound. They performed it. This was a pelvic ultrasound. And they discovered that there was an extensive perforation of the uterus. Uh, she was bleeding uncontrollably at this point, and shortly thereafter, she died on the operating table. The autopsy report is clear. It clearly states that the reason for death, the cause of death, was the DME performed by Planned Parenthood in Chicago. So why wasn't why wasn't this big news in the news media? Everybody was so caught up in everything else. Why did this make the news? Uh, this, this this case takes place uh, in a fully professionally staffed Planned Parenthood. This isn't a Kermit Gosnell clinic. In Philadelphia, this is a, a staff that's in a modern facility uh, right there on South Michigan Avenue. It's got a Planned Parenthood abortionist, uh, and it's got a Planned Parenthood staff. And with all of this going for them, the abortion was watched so horribly that even a level one trauma center in Chicago could not save the life of Tanya Reeves. This is in the backyard of the president, and you can imagine that when you get Planned Parenthood and the president together uh, on something like this, uh, it's not going to be very popular in the media. Right, right. So so let me, let me see if I can understand this correctly. Because of parenthood, you know those purveyors of safe and legal abortions, said tongue-in-cheek, they shouldn't have to be held responsible for the life of a young lady because she went in there at her own volition. Never mind the fact that every day our women 
are pounded with the lies that abortions are an end to a means. It's it, you know, it's a easy way out. So I want all three of you, um, you Walter, and then Reverend um, Brian and Denise, uh, if you guys could each address this um, question. What is it? What is it about Planned Parenthood and their systematic hatred? And I'm going to say what it is because, quite frankly, I'm tired. As a, as a black man, I'm tired of seeing the systematic hatred from the abortion industry for my group of, for my community. And that's what it is. It's blatant racial hatred because they think we are little imbeciles and weeds. I want all three of you to weigh in on that question. What did we do to them that makes them hate us so much? Well, from what I well, can tell, uh, what I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. Um, it's not so much that uh, we've done anything to them; is what they've done to us. And if we just go back not all that far in the history, uh, Margaret Sanger, eugenic racist, is the mother of Planned Parenthood. And she birthed this thing, and I, I, since I'm a pastor, i got to look through this through spiritual eyes. Uh, Satan has used her, and the spirit of Molech, the old God in the Old Testament, where children were sacrificed to get the favor of God, is the the kernel, the, 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 uh, the semen, if you will, that has come together with just our own natural selfishness and hatred that we've had since the fall to birth this thing. That, that's just looking in the spiritual realm. And there's really nothing that blacks have done to her. But you're not a believer. You're a hater of man. That means you don't love God. You're capable of anything. And so we were the people that were in the way of her uh for want of a better word, cultivating, or uh, if you think about plants and animals, uh, genetics, and you got to get rid of the bad stuff in order to produce the good stuff. And we were considered human weeds, uh, disposable, and that's really where the onus is. It's not on us. It's not on Tanya that she went voluntarily into this place. We don't know the whole story. She might have been coerced into it. She's no more culpable than that grandma that fell out of that ride last week at a valley fair or whatever it was who fell out of this roller coaster. She got on voluntarily. She paid for her ride. But this amusement part is culpable because they allow safety not to be a factor, and she fell full stories to her death. The same thing with Tanya. She went into a facility that's supposed to be about women, taking care of them, women's health, remember? That's the mantra. And she right. got on the table and was allowed to bleed to death and gather 1.5 liters of blood in her abdomen before safety and women's health kicked in. 
and by that time it was too late. So the onus is not really on us as black. It's not what we've done to them. It's what they're doing and have done to us. Right, right. Reverend Denise, you want to add to that? One of the things that is uh, amazing to me is how ignorant folk are with regards to the role of Planned Parenthood in our communities uh, historically as well as the role of Planned Parenthood now. And if I can say anything about Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger is that they have effectively done what they set out to do, and that was to destroy all non-Aryan wealthy children, whether it's black or Hispanic or Asian or you name it. But they have a particular hatred of black people, and that's because Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. Um, Hitler is quoted as as uh, retorting back to Theodore Roosevelt that everything he learned about racism, everything that he put in practice in terms of his uh, propaganda machine with, with, with Goebbels and everything, uh, he said he learned it from us. He learned it from America. Right. America has had a rabid hatred of Africans ever since they brought us over in slave ships killed us on the way over, okay, and whoever was left standing uh, was then breeded like an animal and to do the master's bidding. And so, you know, the devil hates us all. But I must admit, he seems to have a particular hatred that seems to be like above and beyond the call of, of demonic duty uh, with regards to black folks. And uh, what Planned Parenthood does in four days of abortion uh, is literally what the Ku Klux Klan wished it could have done, okay? Um, and that is to destroy us and to destroy our families. It's anti-God, it's anti-family, it's anti-black, and it's anti-anybody who's not white and Aryan and, and wealthy, Right. So that's where that's about, you know, and and uh, the the viciousness of their attack is is you know I, I guess it just is a, a, a amazing and appalling to me that this attack has been going on for so long, and yet folk have been so silent about it, and it really tells me that the media is in lockstep. Book, line, and sinker with the Planned Parenthood um, goal, and that is for our families uh, to be destroyed, for uh, God to be kicked out of our lives, uh, and to destroy not only our families but our souls, to destroy us from within, to make us spiritually and mentally and emotionally impotent so that we right. don't move on what we need to move on. And they are very right. effectively pushing that line. So it's not just the Planned Parenthood. It's, it's, it's who supports Planned Parenthood, okay? And, the two, and those, those groups of folks together, collectively, 
have declared war on black America, and so far they're winning, but we hope to turn the tide around. Right. And I'm going to bring in our fourth guest um, to our panel. Um, is Connie Eller. Um, Connie, the question that w- that was asked as you was coming on is, what, and in, in you can give your, just give your thoughts on this, what did we as a people do to deserve the hatred of the abortion industry? And just give your thoughts on that. You speak from your heart and give your thoughts on that. Uh, was it necessary for us to do anything at all? <laughs> they um, don't have any love for themselves or for God, and that's obvious. And uh, that's where it all begins, really. That's where it all begins. Um, and you know what? It's a lesson to us all. We don't love God. We don't let God show us how to love ourselves and our brothers and our sisters, and this is what happens. We all find some reason to try to keep somebody else down so we can feel better about ourselves. So there is that, like, social component to it, but I do believe there's a spiritual component to it and that Satan just does not like the whole concept of the conceived and gestational pregnant baby thing because you know why? That's how Jesus came to us. Yes. Just my theory. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, Walter, you want to weigh in on give yourself to the question? Yeah, I, I, I do agree with, with Connie, with Denise, with, with Brian. Uh, black folk haven't done anything other than exist. And mm-hmm. Planned Parenthood uh, so hate uh, African Americans uh, that they are even willing uh to spend their time uh, in our neighborhoods at large clips. I mean, 79% of Planned Parenthood clinics are located in, within walking distance of minority neighborhoods. And when you take a look at uh, the statistics, uh, black Americans are Planned Parenthood's number one customer, number two customer is the Latino community. And even if you consider just the CDC data and the Allen Market data, you now you're looking at at least 55% or better of, of all abortions in the entire country coming from Planned Parenthood. But we haven't done anything. Planned Parenthood is praying and targeting on black Americans. Right. And, and you know, um, something that I found interesting that I discovered through this kind of a little unscientific, unscientific study is that in our own pro-life movement, I've found that about 80% of our pro-life movement, the pro-life movement, is okay with some form of abortion. You And you all know I'm talking about the exception. Now, would you all say in... You all can address this, or maybe one person is whoever to address this. Do you feel that in that in that instance, because you have people that feel like that in the pro-life movement, that it's almost like we're fighting a battle on two fronts? 
against Planned Parenthood and against those in our own movement. Anyone care to address that? A woman who is raped or has been involved in an incestuous uh, situation uh, does not need abortion piled on top of the already heinous act that has been perpetrated against her. Uh, We do Rich in Mercy, which is our abortion and miscarriage recovery program. And we have had women who have been raped go through Rich and Mercy, who have been involved in incestuous relationships um, against their will go through Rich and Mercy because they got pregnant as a result and they had the abortion. And I can say unequivocally that the, the pain and the destruction and the further decimating of these women's emotional and spiritual health um, is astronomical when you throw abortion, prenatal murder, on top of the rape, on top of the incest. Um, They regret their decisions immensely. Uh, For some of them, they were forced to have the uh, abortions, and that's particularly in the case of incest. Um, and their 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 emotional and spiritual survival rate is so low. And they told me, and they and they shared in groups over and over and over again. You know, it was bad enough when I got raped. It was bad enough when my father came. Okay, and did the despicable things that he did Or my uncle or my brother or whoever it was But then to throw prenatal murder on top of it uh, These women weren't able to heal Because abortion was thrown in the mix What these women need is support What they need is someone to come alongside them Maybe even a faith house because some of these women had to get try tried to get away from those who were older uh, adults who were in control of them. What they need is safety, and they need counseling, and then they need to be able to do the right thing. Doing the right thing helps us in our in our minds. It helps us emotionally, and it helps us spiritually to handle even if it's difficulties. We can handle them better when we know that we're doing the right thing in regards to these difficulties. So um, when when folks say that, you know, we need to have these exceptions, uh, I thoroughly disagree. And, and secondly, from a biblical point of view, since when does pedigree determine the value of life? Since when does who your father is determine whether or not you are worthy of living or worthy of a life? You know, the scripture says that God is the one that opens up the womb. And he has a plan and a purpose for every life that uh, originates in the womb of a woman. And so we have got to get past this, this notion that, uh, uh, murder, okay, is the answer 
to an evil uh, that uh, a woman suffers. It is not the answer. And who that who that baby's father is doesn't determine the uh, the um, the worth of a child. That child's worth is determined by God and God alone, and deserves to have a life. And even if the woman decides after birth that she wants to make an adoption plan, and she wants to place that child in a in a loving home, okay, you know, so be it. But also, if she decides to raise that child on her own, she's going to need support. And if it weren't for that kind of support, we wouldn't have a James Robinson today. We we wouldn't have Reverend James Robinson, who has done feeding programs in Africa and has fed millions of children and kept whole villages alive, if it weren't for a mother who was raped and who decided to do the right thing and raise her boy anyway, okay, we wouldn't have the blessing of a James Robinson today. And I'm sure that there's others that I don't know about who are also doing great work. But God had a plan and a reason for James to come into the earth. And that's what we need to get a hold of, not only in the church, but also in the pro-life movement. We've got to get a hold of this. And run with it, and 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 help these women, and not further hurt them. Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! What? Wow! You you hit the nail on the head after, after that, Reverend Denise. Um, bringing this back around to you know. Tanya Reeves, I um, I was appalled when I read I read comments right after this happened on Facebook where some pro-life was saying he deserves what he got because um, he was killing a baby, and when I read that, my it was like. I, I honestly believe I went into a momentary state of shock for reading that because one motto on this show, and Melissa and Letitia both will tell you, we do not condemn the post-abortive mother. And we call them mothers because even though they aborted their baby, they are still mothers. And, Connie, I think it was you who said to me the other day when we were talking, a woman is still a mother from the moment of conception. So mm-hmm. we do not condemn post-abortive women. And here's the reason why. We don't know the circumstances. And if you really look at it, the post-abortive mother is Symptom of a far deeper rooted and sinister plot of the enemy. So, and, and any of you all can answer this question. Actually, I'd like to hear an answer from all of you. How do we address and how do we deal with pro lifers who make those kind of comments? Because me personally, I'll get, I'll be real with you. I get 
infuriated when I read something like that because all life is precious, whether it's that unborn baby, that post-abortive mother, or that mother who's considering that abortion. That's why you, Reverend Brian, do what you do. That's why you all are having the conference you're having, the National Sidewalk Counseling Symposium. If you guys didn't care about that mother who's considering abortion, you all wouldn't be doing what you're doing. So, well, um, what I have to say about that is, one, anybody who makes that remark, whether they are, are a pro-abort, just trying to throw a little uh, bad leaven into the mix, because with the Internet, anybody could say anything, um, they're not pro-life. Just plain and simple, they are not pro-life. If they want to um, blame uh, the victim in that sense, saying that she got what she deserved. Scripturally, if we all got what we deserve, the Word says we've all fallen short. Mm-hmm. And thanks yep. to Jesus Christ, we have none of us yeah. have received what we deserve. So none of us can um, uh, take a good spin on that for ourselves. That's number one. And two, they are really, in a sense, haters of God because they have hated uh, that which God loves. God loves uh, those that are the least, those that are abused, those that are uh, brokenhearted, of a downhearted spirit. And so they don't have a love of God in them. And uh, First John and others are very clear. If you don't love your fellow human being, then he says, uh, who are you? And we need to take, I think, a spiritual look at those type of statements and really call people on them. There are people within the pro-life movement that do not love God and do not know him. And Mm -hmm. that's where you get statements like that. It's the abundance of the heart. What? The mouth speaks. And there's no mistake about what they've said. And we need to pray for them. And also, uh, the word is very clear, we need to go to them and correct them and rebuke them with all gentleness. And if they don't uh, want to go along with that, then uh, then they're just hanging out. If they have to contend, they got a box with God on this one, because we're going to go ahead with our work. We're going to go ahead and love the Tanyas, yell out for them, uh, cry out for those being led to the slaughter. We know it. We know the truth, and that's why we're doing what we do. Amen. There are some some pro-lifers who I have met and have had the uh, opportunity to talk with who are very angry with the post-abortive woman. Uh, They're very angry with her. uh, As far as they are concerned, uh, if it weren't for people like her or like me, Okay, um, they wouldn't have to be doing what they do. And I have heard that voice in in uh, several different ways from several people. And the bottom line is um, I totally uh, agree with what Brian was saying, and that is they're not really pro-life. They're just angry, hostile people who are taking... Uh, someone's predicament in terms of being post-abortive and using it as a bat uh, to whack at them over their heads. And there are some people who really, 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 really do want 
post-abortive men and women uh, to go to hell. Uh, they want them to pay for the life that they took. And Jesus Christ, you know, he said, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And so they don't have the heart of God. And uh, quite frankly, uh, yes, we need to pray for them. Yes, they need to be confronted. But do not let uh, their sentiments sidetrack us or sidetrack you or or for your listeners. Don't let folk like that sidetrack you. You keep going forward because God is a God of mercy, and he will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. And that's what yes. we're after. If we can change the hearts of, of the people, then we can we can end the Holocaust in America. Amen. Amen. Anybody mm-hmm. have any follow up? Patricia, I know you're dying to ask some questions, so. You're sitting there all quiet. Usually you ask all the questions. Oh, Thomas, you, I, you know, I'm multitasking today. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, it's, it's – now I, I wanted to because I am – I have not – I am I guess I'm the black sheep. Ha, 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 in the show. I don't have that same background as all of you. Um Living in a targeted community for extermination. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist for other minorities, but help me to understand how big is this problem? What should people be aware of? I think I can oh. answer part of that. Okay. So this, this is Connie. Um, if folks would contact Life Dynamics, um, you know, it's ldi.org, lifedynamicsinternational.org, um, and ask for their publication that shows um, the locations of many of the Planned Parenthoods in the United States, and it will show you that a lot of those Planned Parenthoods are located in or near or accessible to communities of color. I really don't like the word minority, so I don't use it, um, but communities of color. Um it's been a lot of targeting, again, I think because of self-hate. And um, so you just have to look at where they've locate, located their abortion mills, and then we can all ask ourselves, hmm, why would those abortion mills be so close to certain communities? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Uh, Thomas, this is Walter Hoy. Yes. yes. And not only has Mark Crutcher's life dynamics, done an excellent job and detailing uh, where the abortion clinics are located. Uh, that's an awesome study, and thank you, Connie, for that. Uh, but also Arnold Caldwell, uh, Protecting Black Life, they've done a, a study as well, and they've discovered that 49% of the abortion clinics are located in communities of color's neighborhoods and within walking distance. And this is Document. They've even got Google Map technology up on the website, so you can actually see where the abortion clinics are located. This is not an accident. This is not a mistake. This isn't just something that just happened to work out that way. It's not a coincidence. This is deliberate. This is intentional. 
and your listeners need to be aware of it. So, again, uh, Life Dynamics, Mark Kircher, excellent study. Love Mark, love Life Dynamics. And then Protecting Black Life, Arnold Colbreth, uh, they've done another uh, excellent study where you can actually incorporate Google Map technology and actually see where they're located. It's just an amazing documentation of where they're located, and everyone ought to be uh, taking a look at that. Mm-hmm. On a national scale, Letitia, I mean, we're we're talking 14% um, black folks, African Americans, uh, are 14% of the U.S. population, but yet they have anywhere between 30 and 36% of the abortions in America. Uh, that's astounding. Um, right. When you look at that statistic, and uh, I'd prefer for Walter to weigh in on this, but uh, he further breaks it down in, in, in his article in terms of what these numbers actually look like once you factor out the male uh, component in the population numbers. Walter, can you break that down for her? Yeah, I appreciate that. Black Americans constitute about 14% of the U.S. population. Yet 14% is responsible for 30 to 35% of all abortions in the United States of America. Now, if you take a, a look at just uh, the female population, half of us are women, you're now looking at about 6% responsible for 30 to 35% of all abortions in the United States of America. And then if you break that number down, if you take advantage of childbearing age, you take a look at those from 15 to 44, childbearing age, you're now looking at about 3%, responsible for 30 to 35% of all abortions in the United States of America. These are startling numbers. These are startling data, and I think we all need to respond to them. Wow. As a people, we cannot sustain these numbers and expect to exist as a community. If we continue to kill off our own, not only does that dilute uh, our communities in terms of just sheer numbers, but it also dilutes our political power, our, our political effectiveness. It dilutes the strength of our communities. It, it certainly greatly weakens our emotional and spiritual backbone. And so we cannot sustain it. No community can expect to continue to exist with these kind of murder numbers in our population. We are literally on a course of self-destruction. And this is why this has got to end now. We don't have any more time to wait on this issue, okay? We have got to end it now. And we we encourage everyone who is interested in this, okay, to help. And if you're not interested, you need to get interested. Because at this point in time, we are now talking about a whole race of people in a yes. country. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. 
exactly. And, uh, you know, you're not alone. Uh, we have done shows on on various at various points uh, on Pro-Life Friday's radio where we also talk about the rampant abortion rate among the immigrant population from India and China where they have imported uh, the values of preferring male children over female children, so female gender side, which is supported by Planned Parenthood because they won't turn away a dime, is also going on. So we have people of significant backgrounds being killed just for existing in a, a certain race, racial background. Right. And there is no justice there. There is no cry for justice there. There is no uh, sense of Planned Parenthood certainly not standing up for those chick kids uh, that are those girls that are being destroyed, and yet they purport to be a organization that supposedly is very compassionate toward women. It's all about women's health. Well, you know, you don't even have health if you don't have life. Hmm. Uh, I need to quote you on that. <laughs> uh. Shows are archived immediately after broadcast. <laughs> hey, um, before we go on, um, Walter, I know that you and Reverend Brian and Reverend Denise, you all have to um, go. Uh, but, Connie, I'm going to ask you stay on. But I want to thank you three to, for for what you guys, what you all are doing and it really is um, an honor for myself, Melissa, and Letitia to be soldiers with you guys, as well as Connie, because Connie's been a soldier in this battle for a long time as well, as you guys already know. Um, thank you all for what you do. Thank you for that, um, for the conference that you're doing. And I have one question. Will the conference be archived on YouTube or anything, or will there be a DVD of it where people can see it? Well, if you're referring to the conference, we are. Um, I'm the program director of Pro-Life Action Ministries, and the Sidewalk Counseling um, Symposium is being taped, and there will be uh, DVDs, there will be uh, CDs available, and also... I think some of the PowerPoints that, uh, like, Ann Scheidler and um, others presented will be available. So you just need to uh, give Pro-Life Action Ministries a call at um, 651-771-1500 and give us a call and leave us a message. If we're not there, please speak slowly and leave your telephone number and we will get back to you. Also, check our website at www.plam, as in man, .org, and we may have a posting about ordering up on there as well. All righty. Most definitely, because I, I want to get a copy of it. Get a copy of it, definitely. Thank you. Thank you all for calling in to mm-hmm. the show. And we definitely are going to be having you back again because I I love I love what y'all are doing. I specifically want to have you both back to talk about um, together 
Reach in Mercy Ministry. So, um, God bless you all, and you have a good evening. God bless you. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for being on Pro Life. Thank you for being. God bless. And what do you have for us next, Thomas? Because what we are going. I'm kind of. We're going. Well, we we have Ms. Connie still here with us. She wasn't able to call in right away because she, you know, she was driving home. So we still have Connie. Um, and I'm going to bring in my friend Vincent E. Brown because he, he's another BTR host, but he's also a pro-life warrior, if you will. Um, Vincent, um, welcome to the show. Connie, um Share your thoughts and your feelings on on Tanya on the Tanya Reeves press conference and how how it personally made made you feel being there, being a part of that. So I'm very thankful to the Lord that I was able even able to go. Actually another pro life warrior, Zena Hackworth, drove up and I was able to drive with her. Without her I really would not have been able to make it. And I'm so glad that I made it. Um First of all, the press conference, you know, I really have to um, give some appreciation to the news station up there. I didn't even realize they actually showed up. ABC News of Chicago actually showed up and did a little blurb about it, put it on their website, and they really need to be thanked for that because the secular oh, wow. media, yeah, the secular media usually, I mean, I'm so jaded. I didn't think any secular media had shown up, so. I was and uh, and and also kudos to Reverend Cesar Lafleur from Chicago, and Reverend Walter Hoy, who you just heard from uh, California, because they put this conference and um, press conference together up in Chicago over the time to read death. So first of all, that that I was thankful to be there. I was thankful that the news actually came. Um, the reason that we come came together and continue to come together over time to read death is because she died a year ago, a whole year ago. Um, at the hands of the Planned Parenthood abortion mill in Chicago, that Planned Parenthood took five hours before they even took her to the um, hospital for emergency care, and, of course, she died. And yet you don't hear any outcry or outrage from the NAACP or the usual, you know, groups that will come out uh, complaining about some other tragedies in society. So... It's like they just want to stay silent about Tanya. And Tanya, not only did she die, she represents the other women who are injured or are killed um, during or after an abortion in this country. And a lot of the time, the death doesn't even get written down as an abortion because of the it's more written down in relation to whatever physical damage was done to them. So I was very thankful Isn't to go that what it says? Isn't that what it says on the autopsy report? I believe I read a story that said the... The medical report on Tanya Reeves says that she had an accidental death. Her de- the cause of death was accidental. Now, I could take a lot of time and take issue with that, but I think I'd save that f- better save for a different day. But I just wanted to let everybody know that they did not put the res- responsibility for her death on Planned Parenthood's doorstep. Yeah, and you know. Um I'm glad you brought that up because I'm pulling out of my bag now the uh, supplemental professional complaint that was filed at the press the day of the press conference, um, and it was filed by the National Black 
Pro-Life Coalition and the Life Education and Resource Network, which is also known as LEARN, Supplemental mm-hmm. Professor urging the Illinois Department of Professional Regulation to further investigate and redress the abortion-related deaths of Chicago and Tanya Reeves on July 20, 2012, caused by substandard, criminally ne- negligent medical care at Planned Parenthood Loop Health Center in Chicago, Illinois. And this uh, report and official complaint is um, several pages long, probably, I don't know, 40 pages long. Um, so, um, and it was filed with the help of Reverend LaFleur, Reverend Hoy, National Black Pro-Life Coalition, Life Education and Resource Network, and I believe the Thomas More Society. That's right? Yes. So you're right. Yes. You know, almost you know, an hour and a half just reading through this and looking at those details. You know, for Planned Parenthood to not do, first of all, my understanding is that she was at Planned Parenthood that had no business doing surgical abortions in the first place. And That's then right. Secondly, you know, for, the, for Planned Parenthood to just do whatever it is they did to mess things up even further for five hours and not take it to the hospital. And then according to what I was reading in this uh, complaint, it's very possible that Planned Parenthood took her to the hospital without fully apprising the hospital of what had happened. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, right? Okay. So you got all these little uh, crazy things that happen, and here a young a single mom is dead. So when we went to Chicago last weekend, in memory of uh, Tanya Reeves, another um, couple of cool events, if you can call them, you know, finding the positive and such negative, um, we also stood on the sidewalk with um, one of the fathers of the American pro-life movement, um, and Joe Scheidler. We stood on the sidewalks with him and his pro-life signs at very busy intersections with lots of uh, car traffic and foot traffic, and we were able to witness for life in that sense, and hand out some literature. Um, and they're very organized at doing it, by the way, Joe Scheidler and them. And then we also, on the third day, um, went out and had an educational prayerful picket in front of another Planned Parenthood in Chicago, the one that actually does do the surgical abortion. So there were many opportunities to alert and apprise and awake the um, community in Chicago about this issue. And a lot more needs to be done, not just there, but in everyone's town, you know, large or small. Vincent, do you have anything to add? Um, Not really, but... um I, I, I consider myself blessed just to even listen to this show. Um, what, what, it was something that someone said earlier about Planned um, Parenthood. Uh, well, one of the arguments I, I noticed when you talk about, you know, uh, standing against abortion, a lot of people say, well, are you going to take care of these babies? Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> And, and, you know, they, they just throw that out, you know, and, you know to, uh, disarm, to, you know, disarm you and your rhetoric and everything. But there are pregnancy research centers, uh, pregnancy, excuse me, pregnancy crisis centers out there. But Planned Parenthood is trying to close them. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't, like, these, they don't like these centers. And so when they come up with these arguments about, you know, uh, well, are you going to take care of them? Yeah, well, we can, but
but if you all would just get out of the way, we can take care of these children, you know. And the argument about adoption, you know, there are so many parents out there who would love to adopt a child, myself being included, because, you know, I've been married for going on nine years now, and I don't have any children, and I love kids. And they're even trying to stand against people adopting, you know. And they they bring up these arguments about, well, you know, uh, the child is going to, you know, grow up in a bad uh, uh, neighborhood or have a bad life or some old crazy mess like that. And I'm like, so all of a sudden you all become clairvoyants or something like that? You know, I mean, <laughs> you know what this child is, you know what they're going to face uh, in the in times ahead. And, you know, the uh, I, I forgot the name of the person you mentioned earlier. You know, just consider that, you know. Uh, I think it was James Robinson or something like that. And, um, you know, I'd I like to bring up a, you know, more recent uh a very public figure, Tim Tebow, you know. I mean, people like this who are blessing people because their parents chose not to abort them, you know. And if Planned Parenthood thinks they are so legitimate and everything, why are they fighting so hard to keep, uh, legit- to keep legitimate solutions to unwanted pregnancies from getting it to the public, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that that that's the 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 reason why they do this is because they really don't they really don't have a toenail to stand on. <laughs> they know that I it's no accident. They know that what they're doing is wrong. But see, they're doing it for profit. They're, they're not doing it because they care about women or children. They don't they don't care about no women or children. All they care about is that money. And you know they can purchase the numbers all they want to. Planned Parenthood is in the business of killing babies. Wow. Yeah. And uh, abortion is also a um, spiritual issue. And as far as I'm concerned, abortion is a mental health issue. So there's a a lot of deception that goes on around abortion. You do have people who think they're actually helping them, but they're actually hurting them. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate deception is to convince any group of people that they should just annihilate or destroy or kill or hurt or eliminate themselves. And you sit back and watch them do it. So, again, it goes back to we know God for ourselves and his love for us. Without that, everything else is Absolutely. Yeah, I've got to take off in a minute or two. So if you want to get to our stupidest thing ever, uh, can, and then you guys can, well, <laughs> all right, I'll headline this, uh, yeah, and then we yeah. can, then you can get back in and finish up um, your questions with Connie and uh, who do you still have on? Vincent. Pastor Hoy? Oh. No, Vincent. Okay. That's Vincent. Oh, okay. Right. Um, but... I have specifically avoided hashtagging Carlos Danger on Twitter for the last week. I've sat on my hands, not twittering, not tweeting this out, because I wanted to save it for the stupidest thing ever. Now, Carlos Danger, if you don't realize who he is, he is the guy that put up the video of petitioning college students to sign uh, 
to sign a petition to legalize fourth trimester abortion. Let me say that one more time. You legalize, a petition to legalize fourth trimester abortions, because we all know fourth trimester abortions are illegal at this time. And I will play the clip, but I don't have time to play the whole thing. What he actually does is he asks a bunch of kids to sign this petition, and a bunch of kids do. Now, to some of their credit, a couple of them walk away realizing what he's saying, and, and uh, they don't sign, but most of them kind of fall in like zombies to sign a phony petition to ban an abortion after 40 weeks. And that just goes to show you, um, it kind of falls in line with the other petitions that have been circulated, phony petitions, one to abolish the, the Bill of Rights and another one to, um, oh, there was another crazy one out there. That was so much fun to watch people do. Uh, they, I, I think people are signing petitions mindlessly, like zombies, because you say Obama and abortion, and everybody kind of knee jerks to the yes position in their brains. They just flip <laughs> the switch and say they'll say yes to anything that Obama, with Obama and abortion attached to it. Uh, so that for me is the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> if people start thinking, then we would be thinking right and choosing right. Yeah. Well, sometimes in life you just got to tell people you're stupid, and that's just straight. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. You just have to be. You, people say, well, it's not nice to call people stupid. Well, Jesus called the religious folks a bunch of a brood of vipers. Basically, he he was saying, in modern terms, he would have been calling them idiots. So, so, mm-hmm. so sometimes you just have to call out stupidity when you see it, you know. So, uh, Melissa and Letitia, I know you two awesome, beautiful women have to run off with do family things, but. Love you all to pieces, and I am going to finish you with my two awesome friends, Vincent and Connie. All right. Thank you Thank you for being a guest. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for being on Pro Life Fridays Radio. Good night, everybody. I will see you next week. All right. All right. Take care. Thank you. Night, Melissa. All right, Connie and Vincent, it's just us for the next few minutes. So, you know, we look at we look at all the vitriol that comes from the pro-abort, and then you have um, you have pro-lifers who fall under this notion. Well. We just have to be nice to them, and then maybe they'll come around. Sometimes you got to be brutally honest with the truth. And Connie Vincent, tell me what you think about this. I, I personally think that we need to start pointing out complicity in um, accessories after the fact. 
because the way I look at it, if you are a supporter of abortion, that means you support the systematic genocide of an entire group of people, and that makes you a racist, whether you black or white. And if we uh, start hampering it in that context, we'll start making pro-abort feel so uncomfortable. I mean, we need to start calling out the stupid stuff that they're doing, like the throwing the fecal matter into the used tampons and all that stuff. And bricks, we need to start calling out bad behavior. What? That's the only way that we're going to combat that. But we have truth on our side. So what do you what do you guys think about? Thomas, I think you're on to something. <laughs> that is oh my goodness. You 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 more than hit the nail on the head. I mean you just drip you just drove it like about two centimeters into the wood with that one. That is that I mean, really, think about it. If you are supporting abortion, and uh, abortion was basically designed to kill off a race of people, let, let's just be honest, and you support that thing, you 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 might be a racist and don't even know it. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, that, it, it, it's just being point blank, you know. And uh, Thomas, you know, when when people call, come on my show, uh, a lot of times I don't like to call people stupid. But when you act stupid, I'm going to call you stupid. I, I don't like saying that word, but I, I get brutally honest on my show as well, and I will hang up on people because, you know, I know. sometimes people, people are just stupid. I mean, just, why? You know, I mean, do you hear yourself think sometimes, you know? And right. to me, stupidity is when you see the facts standing sitting there looking at you in the face, but you choose to ignore them. That's basically, to right. me, what stupidity is. You know, you just, I mean, we tell them about the history of uh, Planned Parenthood. We tell them about the Negro Project. We tell them that, you know, uh, Margaret Sanger had uh, friends with Hitler and, and other communists. But they, they don't want to hear it. And the and reason like, why, Vincent, you understand, yeah. you understand that um, – because they're they're being told something else, and what we what we have to do, we might have to. And Connie, tell me what you think about this. We have to go to the root. We have to we have to go. We have to deal directly and harshly with with Planned Parenthood. Go right to the source. I mean, Cecile Richards always doing. Um, Speaking engagements with her smug, arrogant look on on her face, like like she sleeps at night because she gets a million dollar a year contra or salary. But at the same time, I don't know how that woman is not having nightmares by virtue of the fact that her organization and now she's responsible for the death of. People always quote 55 million, but let me tell you something. That number is closer to 70 or 80 million. Yeah. Baby. And and Connie, and like um, a lot, lot of people, I think it was you earlier that was talking about talking about the post-abortive women. When um, I I know one women. They have some responsibility into it in in the abortions, but 
a statistic, and tell me if this statistic is true or not, because this is something I heard, that between 68 and 80% of all abortions by women every year is forced or they're coerced into them. Is that is that similar numbers that you've heard, or is it lower or higher? Did we lose Connie? Uh-oh. I hope not. <laughs> See? We love Connie. Okay, let me see. Nope. Oh. I think we lost Connie. Um, that's all right, but um, maybe she'll call back in. Oh, everybody got disconnected. Let's try to let's try to get everybody reconnected. Can you still hear me, Vincent? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Okay, because my my show crashed. And uh, anyway, um, okay. Let me let me send Connie a message and see if uh, did we lose her. Actually, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you real good. Okay, folks, we sorry about the technical difficulties and um, we are getting. Connected. Okay. Anyway, so it's it's one of those things where when you keep it real, the enemy doesn't like the real of the people. So, but you know, we have to we have to. We have to be brutally honest in our fight. You know? Does that make any sense, Oh yeah. And one thing one thing I've understood too is uh and and it's sad that I see this happening with conservatives and Republicans. You can't you can't get along with people who don't want to stand for the truth. You're not going to get along with people who don't want to stand for the truth, and you have to you have to call a spade a spade, you know. And uh, in in today's society, look, we live in we live in uh, uh, humanity's in a fallen state, you know, because of separation from God. And those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're going to have to we're not going to be popular because of man's fallen state, you know. Uh, man's fallen state is is naturally to shun the truth, and even to the point of coming up with their quote unquote their own truth, which is not truth, but when they make up their own reality and everything. But you still have to stand, and you gotta be brutally honest, you know. And sometimes I, I don't like it because it's not my character. I don't like to be brutally honest with people, but sometimes you have to be. Because you have a lot of times that, that exactly and and you're 
the only way the truth is going to stand a lot of times is you have to be straight up and brutal, just like Jesus was. <laughs> yep. And Jesus even called people names. He called them brutal vipers. Yep. And it's like, like in today's translation, it would have been you bunch of idiots and get yourself together. You know, yep. even even with the pro life movement and a pro abortion, we need to we need to use the brutal real reality of the fact and we we can't we can't be passive. And especially in light of the fact when you have eighty percent of the pro life movement is okay with abortion in some form or other. Yeah. I have a problem with that. I have a I major fall, problem I with fall, that. I fall under that 80% category because of my my specific situation but uh you know I want to give a I want to give a shout out to a friend of mine who is just listening who who God has just been working on her and she will be sharing her story eventually soon on on our show, so that's just a little teaser, but uh, I mean, she's on fire, she's pro-life without exception, and she and she's, a, she's about it, she's about the business of fighting for the babies, and um, not only the babies, but the post-abortive moms, too, so... Shout out to my friend Shan who's listening on BTR and thanks for listening. Uh, Vincent, do you have any closing thoughts? Because I'm going to wind down the show and get ready to go find me some food. I know that's right. I just I just finished eating myself and uh, I thank God I was able to get off of work early today because uh, usually I'm you know, I miss your show because I'm working on Fridays. But uh, uh, every week, uh, the, the show this show just seems better and better every week. And uh, I, uh, I like what you do on this show. You you bring a lot of information, and uh, you make sure that whoever tunes into this show is going to be informed. And uh, I just thank God for people like yourself. Uh, and all I want to say is uh, keep on standing up for the truth. Keep on causing trouble with the truth. <laughs> You know, and uh, you know, keep doing what you do because uh, you you might be one voice, but when you when that one voice joins up with a whole bunch of other voices with the same um, state of mind, you know, we can make an impact. And uh, you might be in the mid, you, you're in the you're in the Midwest, I'm in the East. You know, hey, we we can all make a difference wherever we are, and uh, we always have to keep on standing for the truth. Amen. And with that, thank you for tuning in today. Gonna call it gonna call it a day, but before we go, I am gonna play a song by our mutual friend D Ski Rock. And uh it's called Chain Breaking Off the Chain. Christian rap. 
You all have been listening to Pro-Life Fridays Radio with Patricia, Melissa, and myself, visible conservative himself. Listen to this last song and tune in next week for another episode of Pro-Life Fridays here on the Visible Conservative Radio
Okay. 